Hello, Simon Trevoranis. Hello, Devin Wilkins. And hello to everybody out there, and welcome to another edition of Insight Peterborough, which is a project of the uh, Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind and... And the Council for Persons with Disabilities. Yes, uh, we have uh, a hectic half hour or hour for you, uh, and we're going to begin with um, a pre-recorded interview that I did with uh, Maya Tuohima, who is a member of the uh, CCB chapter, that's the Canadian Council of the Blind, and uh, she's going to, she and her husband, Tevu, are going to be doing a 50-kilometer bike ride uh, in uh, uh, hopes of raising funds for uh, Fighting Blindness Canada. So here's that interview. Well, hi there, Maya, and welcome to the program. Uh, I'm happy to be here. So before we get talking about the ride that's coming up uh, in, later on in June, let's talk a little bit about you. When did you come to, to Canada? Um, I came, immigrated with my family in 1966, February 17th, 1966. Oh, so you're, uh, you've been in Canada quite a while then. Oh, you're... I'm Canadian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, so you met your husband here? Yes. Um, he immigrated in um, 1959 at the age of two. Oh. Two. Yeah. I was. I was um, nine when I when I came over. Yeah. Oh. We were both born in the same year, but yeah, his family came. Uh, well, seven years prior. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. And. When did you notice that um, you had uh, a visual impairment? Um, I think, looking back, of course, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but now that, you know, once I've looked back, uh, I was already experiencing um, issues with, with uh, kind of what you'd call, I guess, night, night blindness, um, probably in my late teens early 20s okay yeah and uh like um that was the first sign okay yeah and then then um uh i guess progressed from there and i think if i was in my probably late 20s early 30s was when i started to notice that you know uh, my field of vision was getting narrower and narrower and uh, and didn't at the time know exactly what it was but I was noticing that that I was struggling more and more with with seeing in the dark and then you know just not seeing things around me basically so when did you get the official diagnosis um, I was officially diagnosed um, I was probably in my mid-30s, I think, probably just shortly after I had my last child. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's retinitis pigmentosa that you have, is it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that hereditary? Um, 
it is. Um, I have two two siblings who have it as well. Okay. Uh, an older sister and uh, my youngest sister. Uh -huh. uh, had it appeared earlier in the history of the family? Um, not that I know of. Um, uh, there was no, well, they probably didn't recognize it as such back in the day, and uh, certainly my parents had no issues. Right. Whether, you know, um, anybody in the, you know, uh, grandparents or, or uh, earlier than that, there's no way of knowing. Right. Okay. But, uh, but never, nobody ever really complained of having those kind of issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how is uh, your vision now? Uh, now, um, I would say that that the, the narrowing of the field has kind of leveled off. It, it tends to kind of plateau and stay that way for a while, and then then there will be a little bit of a change mm -hmm. at some point. And uh, for the worst, basically, it's it's not going to get better from here uh, on, but um, as far as my overall vision, um, my central vision is actually not bad, and uh, I have more acuity since I had uh, both cataracts removed a couple of years ago. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm fortunate in that, that I can still function quite well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you use a cane? I do, I do. I, at this point, I still only have the uh, ID cane, mm -hmm. just to, which is more for for the other people to recognize that I have a visual uh, disability. Yes. Yeah, just do, to make them aware. Yeah. Do you ever find that you uh, check uh, depth uh, of uh, curbs and that sort of thing with oh, it? Oh, constantly. I, I have. I struggle to see the, the the difference in you know when I come to a curb. I basically have to put my foot out to feel for the edge. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and stairs stairs going down are scary. Oh uh, yes. Going up is not not so bad, but uh, down, especially if they they don't have the edges of the stairs marked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's a good idea to. Uh, Paint them with a, what a fluorescent yellow? Yeah, a fluorescent yellow, or or even like an orange or something like that mm -hmm. um, works. Yeah, but uh, it's actually there's not too many places that actually still have that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I I've noticed in a lot of places, and a lot of places they do have them, but it's not in a color that's like. I find easily recognizable. Oh, that's um, too bad. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, I, I, it is getting better. I would have to say it, it is getting better. Yes. People are becoming more aware about accessibility and, and uh, you know, safety. So Thank goodness. It's eh? moving. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we have to have things like National Accessibility Week last week. That's right, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the more awareness you bring to it, you know, the the more changes. That's for sure. Happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how about your um, sisters? Do they uh, both still have a little vision? 
Uh, yes, they do. Uh, I would have to say that my youngest sister, she, she I think her field is the mo more narrow uh, of, of the three of us. Uh -huh. um, she was diagnosed younger than, than uh, my other sister and myself, oh. and I think hers was an earlier onset oh, than okay. ours, so, so hers has progressed uh, more quickly than ours has. Right. Yeah, yeah. and um, she, she also, she's typically with uh, retinitis pigmentosa, you, you get cataracts too. Oh. They happen, they happen a little bit earlier than, than you know, the normal cataract. Yeah. And um, it's in a different spot. It tends to be more center of the eye, oh. which is the which is the only vision we have, basically right. central vision. So um, she's had my youngest sister has one had one eye done, uh, but they keep telling her the second one's not ready yet, and she's really struggling with the you know the. Uh, difference in, you know, one eye is nearsighted, the other eye is now farsighted because the cataract has been removed. Uh -huh. so it's a constant struggle, struggle with her brain to, you know, yes. balance those out. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, my other sister is pretty, I think she's pretty much the same. Yeah. And the same as I am. Yeah. Okay. So, you're going to be going on uh, quite a long uh, bike ride. First of all, how did you get into tandem biking? Uh, tandem biking? Um, we started off, uh, actually, my husband met Anne Wood at the Kawartha Nordic Ski Trail, and uh, um, Anne was doing the, the blind skiing oh. out there with her husband. Kevin and um, my um, my husband, you know, asked her because he's an avid skier. He asked her, so so, you know, how much vision do you have? And she explained, you know, how much she saw and how she got started with the skiing. And then then she then she asked him, you know, if he'd ever heard of tandemize. Mm -hmm. And uh, as it happened, he had never heard of it. And she, you know, she explained what they do. Um, and she was kind of spearheading the, the, the tandemize um, group, um, which, you know, it's, it's, they train uh, the captains who, who have, are fully sighted, and uh, then the stoker is the, the one with visual loss. Some of them are completely blind. Others have some vision, like myself. Mm -hmm. And this is my fifth season with with tandemize, so that's how we got started with the riding. Oh, yeah, that's... and uh, we ended up getting our own tandem. Oh, good. And yeah, which which um, is um, well, this season we haven't had too many rising yet because of the weather. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. too so bad. So that's how we got into tandem. Mm -hmm. Tandem riding. Yeah. Is uh, Tandemize uh, strictly a, a local group? Uh, no, actually, Tandemize, uh, they have groups uh, elsewhere. Um, they have um, one in Toronto, but uh, I think it's called the Trailblazers. Oh, yes. Yes, and um, it was actually my my daughter who, who works at a shelter in Toronto. Um, she was actually looking into the Tandemize 
um, program in Toronto, and that's when she kind of spotted this, um, the cycle for sight. Okay. The ride we're doing um, towards the end of this month, and uh, so she went on that side, and and she got she got us involved in in this uh, cycle for sight, which is a fundraiser for for the. Uh, uh, Fighting Blindness Canada. Now, can uh, you give us a little history of Fighting Blindness Canada? Fighting Blindness Canada, okay, um, it started off uh, in 1974. Um, with, uh, I believe it was called um, Foundation for Retinitis Pigmentosa. Okay. Which they were basically just um, raising funds for research into retinitis pigmentosa. Mm-hmm. And but then, you know, through that they discovered, you know, uh then they expanded into into um um macular degeneration age related macular degeneration, which was quite common. Um it's probably one of the more common yeah. eye diseases. Right. And uh then then they expanded beyond beyond that to include like most of the the uh, eye diseases that cause blindness. Yes. Um, yeah, and um, changed their name um, to uh, the Foundation for Fighting Blindness, and um, they and then just April of this year, it changed to Fighting Blindness Canada, and it is apparently the the um, biggest. Uh, fund, fundraiser for for research uh, into uh, blindness causing eye diseases oh. in Canada. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. they used to do Ride for Sight? Um, I think I I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I lived in Collingwood. Um, for 21 and a half years. Uh, there were a few years there that um, uh, the Ride for Sight uh, started in Collingwood. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, it may well be because, I mean, I'm sure they're involved in a lot of other uh, fundraisers besides Cycle for Sight. That, that's just probably a small part of, of what fundraising they do. I mean, um, what was it? It was like, I think they've raised, uh, what was it, $47 million, I think, in, in, uh, since 1974 when it was, it was uh, begun. Wow. And um, it's a cycle for sight. It has only been uh, happening since 2009, and they've, uh, they've raised uh, $4.7 million. Really? Since 2009. Wow, that is super. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal, yeah. Yeah. They have, yeah. In a, in a short period of time, they've, mm. they've, you know, raised quite a lot of money. So this is going to be on June the 22nd? That's right, uh, yeah. And where, where are you starting from and where are you going? Um, it is, uh, they changed the, they've changed the, the, um, the last the last two years that we we've only been involved. Uh, this is our third year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in Creemore, Ontario. Right. Is um, 
when you're buried. <laughs> yeah, it's not I, far yeah. from Collingwood um, either. Country. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a big, uh, I guess, the Creamore Brewery is what Creamore is known for. Oh, yes. Basically. And uh, this one is closer, somewhere um, outside Toronto, and it's, um, it's farm area as well. Okay. Uh, but I think it's going to be a little bit quieter. The the, the route uh, in Creamore, some places it, it was fairly busy highway. Oh, so yes. it was a little it was a little scary. But um, this year I think it's a little bit quieter. Okay. Countryside, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've added some some rides to it. Um, they've added a twenty five kilometer. And I believe a 75 kilometer okay. um, to the um, there's the 50k and which is the ride that we're doing and um, there's a 100k and 125k. Right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where will the 50k ride take you? Uh, it will take. I. It's basically. I think it, it starts off at at a farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, does kind of kind of like a circle, and will circle end up back at at, at the farm. Oh, well, they, yeah. You start okay. your starting point and end point is, is the same spot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And um, uh, will you um, will you two uh, your you and your husband cycle there, or will you take your car to this? Oh no. We're, drive yeah. we have to pick up um my daughter and and her her boyfriend are doing the ride with us so, oh great so they're they're riding off single bikes oh okay yeah mm-hmm. so um we will take our trailer uh bring our tandem and then pick them up and load the, their bikes on our trailer and then we'll head out to the site yeah. great yeah mm-hmm. Uh, so that's on June twenty second. Will you start early in the morning? Uh, it starts uh, about nine. Ten. Uh, I think you have to be there for for nine o'clock, kind of for registration. And um, usually the ride starts promptly at ten o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what time do you think you might be finished? Uh, we we generally do it in about. Two and a half, three hours. Very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it's we're not we're not the first ones at the finish line, but <laughs> we're certainly not the last. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you take a, a lot of uh, water and Gatorade and that sort of oh, thing? Oh yeah, yeah. We we stock up on that, and, and at the halfway point, um, they they give you refreshments and something to eat and. and uh, yeah, so, oh, good. so that, you know, you can refuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, um, this is a fundraiser. Uh-huh. So how uh, are you going about raising funds? Do you have a fund me page or anything? Um, there is a, um, you can, if you go on the Cycle for Sight, um, there is, uh, there's a link, which um, I'm not sure what that link is, but my husband's been sending the link to to uh, friends and family, and uh, you can either um, donate online, or then um, I actually have pledge sheets where you know people can sign and and uh, 
then give just cash. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if someone were online, would they just look for uh, your name? Um, we, our team is, it'll be under our team, which is Mom Squad. It was my daughter who, because I'm the one with the, with the visual right. disability, she, she named our team Mom Squad. So, I love it. <laughs> yeah. And um, um, I would have to, um, not sure, I should do. I should probably give you the link okay. to if people uh, want to. Well, you can email it to me, and and I'll um, well mention it. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I can I can send you that link by email, and okay. uh, then if people want to do it online, then. Alternatively, uh, can they contact you any other way? Um. Well, yeah, I I can uh, I think I can be contacted uh, by telephone as well. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and uh, my home phone number is seven zero five seven four one zero five six seven, and my cell phone is seven zero five 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 nine nine zero two zero nine zero two zero. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I can be reached at either one, and right. uh, yeah, I can certainly take take um, donations over over the phone, and and uh, then we can kind of arrange for for uh, payment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Is there anything else I should be asking you about, uh, or that you might want to to tell? people about the ride or uh, Fighting Blindness Canada or anything? Well, um, just, uh, just that it, uh, you know, it is a great, great cause and um, like it's only been the last three years that, uh, that I've become aware of that, that there was such a, such a research um, mm -hmm. uh, program for for eye diseases and um, you know it's it's really a great cause and because there's I, I don't think any of us are aware of how how uh, prevalent um, visual loss is right yes do, do and, they have any yeah so and and the thing is every every dollar counts so it's not about giving big. The big donations, uh, you know, it's just uh, every every dollar counts, no matter how small of the amount. Right. Uh, yeah, and and it's just you know, um, if you donate, I think then you're raising the awareness mm -hmm. again. Are there any other people from this area who are going on the ride? Um, not that I am aware of. Um, we seem to be the the only ones, I think. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I've tried to I tried to get uh, some of the uh, the uh, people involved in tandemized uh, kind of enthused about uh, going, but uh, maybe well next year will be a new ride again. So yeah, hopefully you know maybe w with uh, with this you know. Uh, interview for Inside Peterborough, maybe, maybe, you know, more people will oh, I hope hear so. about it and, and uh, you know, get involved. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Do many people own their own tandems? Um, yes. There, uh, there is like the, the uh, Trailblazers group from from Toronto actually participates in the cycle for sight, and mm -hmm. and they have they have numerous um, uh, tandems uh -huh. there that uh, you know they've actually got uh, basically a um, it's like a uh, I want to say a truck with a with a flatbed which, wow. which they you know have all the the tandems. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we're just, we're, we're um, kind of bare bones. We yeah. just have a trailer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, I think Trailblazers have been uh, for a much longer time than, than uh, Peterborough Tandemize has been. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so th anyone that wanted to know more about Tandemize here in this area maybe could could contact you too, could they? Oh, oh for sure, yes. Yeah. And uh, the best the best contact for for the Tandemize information about Tandemize would be Anne Wood, who, who mm -hmm. kind of spearheaded yes the Peterborough. Okay. Device chapter, yeah. So um, we had her on. I'd, I'd be soon. more than happy to to uh, talk to anyone who who wanted more information as well. Terrific. Well, all the best with the ride on the twenty second. And uh, oh, uh, what is the what is the website for Fighting Blindness Canada? Oh, um, I believe it's just. I believe that's just what it is, fightingblindnesscanada.ca, uh, I would think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, once again, if you find out any differently, you can If I find out any know. differently, I will, I will email that to you as well. All right. That sounds good. So all the best of luck with that ride uh, to uh, you and your husband and everybody else, and I hope you get lots of uh, donations. Well, I think we're uh, we're well on our way to at least uh, you know uh, meeting our goal, which is each each um, bicycle has to raise a minimum of six hundred dollars okay. um, to to uh, to ride. So um, I think I think we're going to surpass that. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Terrific. Well, I sure hope you do. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much, Devin, and thank you for having me on your on the program. Oh, right. Well, thanks for being here, and uh, uh, together, hopefully, we can raise enough money to uh, to uh, get rid of uh, retinitis pigmentosa and uh, age-related macular degeneration and all of those. Mm. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, it, it just, uh, you know, one person at a time, basically. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. And I think I forgot to tell you that uh, Maya is uh, and her husband, uh, Tavo, are from uh, Finland originally, but uh, they came over and uh, we're glad they did. And uh, they're really doing uh, terrific work. So, Simon, you uh, did some um, highlights of uh, National Accessibility Week with your handy-dandy recorder there. I did. I was going around to almost all the activities that were run throughout the week and I was recording some some audio and some some video and took some photos 
And I've put some of the audio that I've gathered together into a, a bit of a playlist uh, for National Accessibility Week 2019. All right. So the first thing we're going to hear, I can't hear myself very well. Oh, sorry, uh, Devin. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, you're kind of, you're yelling right into the mic. Okay. The first thing we're going to hear is the uh, proclamation of the week from Her Worship Diane Terrian, right? Yeah, so we've got the opening ceremonies in its entirety, and we'll just listen to the first little part. So welcome, everybody, to National Accessibility Week 2019. We are here at the East City Lions Center for the Walk for Dog Guides, which marks the beginning of National Accessibility Week 2019. So we've got a wonderful week of activities planned, and you can find information about that at pcpd.ca. And for now, I'll pass things over to our mayor to share a proclamation from the city. Thank you. Hello, everybody. It's great to be here. Uh, it's a bit windy, but it's a bit nicer than it was yesterday, so we'll take advantage of that. So I have a proclamation, and just bear with me because it is a bit formal sounding. So whereas National Accessibility Week is a time to promote inclusion and accessibility in our communities and workplaces, and to celebrate the contributions of Canadians with disabilities. Whereas National Accessibility Week is a time to recognize the efforts of individuals, communities, and workplaces actively removing barriers to give people of all abilities a better opportunity to engage in their communities. Whereas Nat National Access Awareness Week uh, was launched in 1987 following the Rick Hansen Man in Motion World Tour to promote better community access for people with disabilities. Whereas the city of Peterborough is committed to building an inclusive community and providing accessible environments, supporting the goal expressed in the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act of achieving an accessible society by preventing and removing barriers uh, to equal access for persons with disabilities. Therefore, be it resolved that I, Diane Tarian, Mayor of the city of Peterborough, do hereby proclaim the week of May 26th to June 1st, 2019 as Accessibility Week in the city of Peterborough. And I encourage all citizens to recognize and support the important work carried out by the Accessibility Advisory Committee and the Council for Persons with Disabilities here in Peterborough. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Diane. Excellent. So now I'm going to pass things over to our host here. This is Margaret Entwistle, and she's going to talk a little bit about what's happening today and what's going on around us here. Hi, All right. Yeah, so uh, what happened after that is that we had the uh, uh, dog guide walk, um, the Pet Value uh, dog guide walk for to raise funds for the um, training center in Oakville um, that trains all sorts of uh, assistance dogs. And uh, so that was Sunday's activity and... Do we have anything from Monday, Simon? We've got a couple things on Monday. So on Monday, we had a wheelchair clinic and assistive listening device display at the Peterborough Public Library. So I've got a couple of clips from there. We'll start things off with uh, Jamie and Rose of Canadian Hearing Society. So we're here at the library, and we're talking with the Canadian Hearing Society. There's actually a showcase going on at the library about the city's hearing devices, and there's also a bit of a wheelchair clinic here. But um, talking with Canadian Hearing Society, hearing what they're all about. So, hello there. Hello. What are you? What's going on over here? 
Um, so my name is Jamie. I'm the General Support Services Counselor at the Canadian Hearing Society. Um, at the Canadian Hearing Society, all of our um, services are free. Um, for my program, we offer guidance, advocacy, and support to deaf and hard of hearing individuals who need assistance to manage everyday life events, including forms and developing strategies to cope with their hearing loss. Um, we also brought some devices. So we have the Bellman system, which includes a clock, um, a flasher, and a smoke detector. With lights on it, I guess, so that it's not That's just... That's correct. Yeah. So if the smoke alarm goes off, the lights will flash on the clock and shake the bed. Um, also, it comes with a doorbell. So if somebody is at the door, the same thing will happen with the clock. And also the flasher you can set in the living room or kitchen or wherever you want. And it will also flash. Um, we have TV listening devices. Um, we have... <coughs> Portable alarm clocks to take on vacation with you if you like. Um, we have pocket talkers and amplified telephones. Okay. Okay. And my name is Rose Watson, and I'm a hearing care counselor with Canadian Hearing Society. Um, I serve people uh, over the age of 55 who have a hearing loss, and younger adults with other disabilities as well. And what my job entails is um, going out into the community and doing home visits for people and um, help them feel safe and independent at home, improve communication with family and friends, and stay connected to favorite activities. We also provide education, demonstrate, and recommend communication devices. Um, also, uh, use care maintenance of hearing aids and other listening systems understanding your hearing loss and selecting specialized communication uh, equipment and referrals to the community. Uh, we have other programs as well. We have interpreting program um, where a sign language interpreter interprets for people who use American Sign Language. We also have employment services that assist people uh, looking for work or to help maintain their employment. We have mental health counseling, and I think that's pretty much it. Great. Okay. Good. And so when it comes to these assistive technologies, is this something that everybody, uh, everybody who has a public building should have? I mean, there's kind of some safety requirements, but I understand that, that uh, hotels and things don't have some of these pieces of really essential technology. Do you have any comment on that? Yes, that's very true. Um, Canada is a little bit behind in our accessibility. Um, they should have, and there are things known as hotel kits. Some of the hotels that are, say, um, American-based chains have what's called a hotel accessibility uh, kit. Um, they have like a suitcase with a phone and a door alarm system, that kind of thing. Um, in public builds, my understanding is all new public builds now are required to have smoke detectors that have a strobing light. Makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Great. So uh, who do you work with? Is this generally folks that are aging and, and losing hearing, or are there a lot of younger folks that, uh, that are encountering hearing loss as well? So Rose's program works with clients um, aged 55 and up, generally. 
And for my program, the General Support Services program, I'm age 16 and up to 55, sometimes older, just depending on the client's needs. Um, and again, all of our services are free of charge. Great. Or offered at no cost. Yes. Because they do, they do cost, I guess. Yes, we get funding from various sources. We're a not-for-profit agency. Uh, we get Employment Ontario, Ministry of Health Long-Term Care, um, donations bequeathed. So we're, we're very much a, a not-for-profit organization. Great. Is and we've, sorry, we've been in the province since 1940. Great. Okay. Is there anything up and coming that you want to share or anything else that you wanted to, to share with folks? Also, a year ago, CHS received accreditation, so that was pretty big. Uh, bit, pretty big for us. So we got our first accreditation June of last year, so about a year ago. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time, thank Jamie you. and Rose. So I'm here with Mark Buffon from the City Accessibility Department, and he's showing off the new listening devices. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are you doing, Simon? Great, great. Can you tell me about what's going on over here? Sure, yeah. He, we have uh, here at the library currently um, what's called assistive listening devices, and they're devices that uh, allow people with, with hearing loss or um, limited hearing to be able to um, project sound from a speaker's voice directly into either their hearing aids or cochlear implants. And the city recently received some funding from the Government of Canada to help us purchase these kits. So we have five kits in total. One is at City Hall, one is here at the library, another one is at Social Services on, on uh, Simcoe Street, and another kit at Community Services on Wolf Street, and the last kit is at the police station. Excellent. So, with these devices, um, we have what's called a personal receiver. And a personal receiver, it, I guess to try and describe it, it has, um, has a loop that wraps around, um, you put it around your neck, just like you're wearing a necklace. And um, the loop that is around my neck is made out of copper. So that copper loop connects directly with somebody's hearing aids through um, uh, induction. And so when I grab one of these microphones, they're also transmitters. And so through these microphones, anyone who speaks into this microphone, sound will be transmitted from this microphone to a personal receiver that a person with hearing loss is wearing. And then the personal receiver will send the sound directly to their hearing aid. So it allows wow. them to independently be able to attend meetings, boardroom meetings, um, participate in an interview, any kind of setting you could think of. We're running um, a couple little um, storytelling events here at the library this mm -hmm. week. Um, there are three tomorrow, and um, we're hoping that we'll have some people show up yeah. who um, may have some limited or uh, hearing loss, mm -hmm. and um, they can use the devices and test them out. Very cool. Very cool. So I wonder uh, what other applications are these being used for? Is anybody, I guess they're being used at council already? Yeah, we currently are using uh, one of the devices in the council chamber, and um, we do have a counselor who wears a hearing aid and has a cochlear implant, so the device is being used weekly, and uh, in the near future we'll offer 
a personal receiver for anyone in the audience as well who, who feels that they could use them Very and cool. want to be linked into anyone speaking in a microphone in the council chamber. We're also using them at uh, some various board meetings. Uh, we're using them at the Accessibility Advisory Committee meetings. We're using them at the library board meeting. I believe Social Services is using them at various types of meetings. There are uh, a few people, a few staff who work at Social, social Services uh, who use hearing aids, so they're very happy to have the kits. And there's some interesting applications as well. I understand that the police has a device at their front counter as well. If, if you could picture the front counter at the police station, they have some glazing. It's kind of a, a typical old-fashioned service counter where you, you um, approach the counter and there is glazing, but there's no speak-through device in the glazing. Speak-through as in, oh, you can talk. To, I got it. Yeah, to allow the sound to adequately transfer through the glass. Sure. Um, there's just a tiny little gap in the glass. So uh, what's interesting is when we purchased these devices, it came uh, to our attention that not only were, was the public having a hard time hearing the person on, on the employee side um, chatting with them, but it turns out that the employees were having a hard time hearing the public talking to them as well. So um, they have the devices at the service counter right now as an interim solution, and in the future we'll, we'll implement uh, a better solution for the service counter. Excellent. Yeah, and I do understand that these devices not only help people with uh, hearing loss, but they also help people who have difficulty focusing as well. Hmm. I understand even um, some people who are uh, maybe on the autism spectrum um, can benefit from these devices as well to help them focus. So I know they're quite popular in the school system. They're just starting to be used outside of the school system, so we're happy to to uh, be one of the one of the first to uh, purchase some kits to make it happen. Well, it's great that uh, that you had the support of the uh, the grant on that, and it's also amazing that the city's got kind of a showcase, and we can show that the best technology. This is how it can be used and be an example for the rest of the community. Exactly. I'm curious. Uh, this is a bit of a tough question, I guess, but when it comes to the difference between technology solutions and just soft solutions to accessibility, how important is it to have these kind of new technologies to solve these problems? Well, one of the nice things about these devices is they can take advantage of the full range of technology. If someone does have a hearing aid or a cochlear implant, the sound will be transmitted directly into their hearing aid or cochlear implant. Um, and the only way that works is if they have a function on their device called T-coil, which is short for telecoil. Mm. But if they don't have that device, um, even just someone who is maybe starting to lose their hearing can benefit from these devices by you connect a, a, some headphones. Let me just grab one. Oh, wow. So these pretty standard set of headphones can plug into the device, or sorry, into the receiver. Yep. And then you wear the headphones, and then you could benefit from the sound just like anyone else who has a hearing aid or cochlear implant. Could these be used for translation as well? Could you connect these and have, uh, I mean, it seems like so many applications for this device. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. I, I find that uh, in testing them with the headphones on, I'm definitely able to focus much better in wow. a meeting, and it is uh, tempting to wear them, actually, at uh, various types of meetings. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for showing us this stuff, Mark, and uh, I hope that more folks get a chance to use these things. Okay, thanks, Simon. Awesome.
Hi everyone, I'm here with Wendy and Tim from Living Well Home Medical Equipment and we're doing a wheelchair clinic here. So, how are you folks? Very good, thank you. Good. And you? Good. So what kind of stuff do you do for the wheelchair clinic? What is this all about? We do minor uh, repairs and adjustments on clients, walkers, and wheelchairs. Um, if their brakes are loose or need tightening, Tim is here to service the, uh, the products. Um, wheelchairs, also brakes, slight um, adjustments such as on a wheelchair. Uh, backrest might be loose, canes, loose wheels, maybe they need to clean hair out of them. Or... Small adjustments to help their um, devices work better for them. Mm -hmm. um, and then if we notice any larger repair that may be re required, we can suggest what they may look into to see um, if they, say, have seating issues that um, they need to be referred back to um, the person that they deal with. Um, for their chair or their walkers, um, we can spot some of those things that the client may not be aware of mm -hmm. um, to help to help them operate them safely in the community. Some loose screws that they can't reach, stuff like that? Exactly, yep. Okay, and so what is Living Well Home Medical Equipment all about? I guess it's in the name, but... We're a, a home medical equipment provider in town, and we provide everything from walkers, wheelchairs, canes, hospital beds, anything that a client may need for safety in their home, bath safety, grab bars, um, raised toilet seats, etc., um, to help them live their daily life um, better and in a safer way. Excellent. If we don't have it in stock, we can usually track it down and order it in for them as well. Right on. Yeah. And so this week there's lots of stuff going on and you folks are doing another one of these wheelchair clinics, is that right? Yes, we're going to be down at Millennium Park for the closing ceremonies of National Accessibility Week for the Accessibility and Inclusion Movement Walk. Um, we'll be down there with a table display and another um, wheelchair and walker service as well. Excellent. Is there anything else that you want to share about, uh, about what you're doing here? Um, we're just um, making people aware that we are here to help and they can call us anytime and we can arrange to help them out with whatever their needs are. And where are you located or how can we get in touch with you? You can call us at 705-740-2650, that's our main office, and we are located at 755 Erskine Avenue, right on the corner of Erskine Avenue and the Kingsway by Lansdowne Place Mall. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming out today and... Uh we really appreciate your support. Thanks for having us. Great. So that was the first uh, day of National Accessibility Week. That was just Monday. We had a wheelchair clinic and the assistive uh, device display and, and CHS all in one place. Cool. Uh, that night, there was a dance. And I'm going to play just very briefly a little clip from that. All right, so we're here at the Christian Horizons dance uh, over here at the Legion. Hi guys, my name is Courtney. We're here with Christian Horizons um, raising awareness and breaking down barriers for the National Accessibility Week. And we're having a fabulous time. There's a lot of people, food, fun, and dancing. So come on and out and have a good time. Yeah, so the, the whole uh, Monday was, was packed full of activities and it was a great way to, uh, to initiate the week. Terrific. Yeah, and uh, Tuesday they had some some uh, story time activities at the library where they used the devices that we just introduced there. Mm -hmm. And on Wednesday, there was a couple of really interesting things going on. There was an obstacle course, a wheelchair obstacle course at Fleming. And we've got a, a short little clip from, from that as well. All right. Here we go. Thank you very much for joining me today on this really 
I hope that I have given you a little bit of insight on what a life is like for me. And I hope that you can truly appreciate that students with disabilities do sometimes have a few more challenges than not. So thank you very much for joining me today and have a good rest of the day. Health services, I don't recommend wheelies unless you're wearing a helmet. And, uh, I, I'll do it anyway. My grandfather did, so I'm old, so. I'll do it anyway. I'm just done. a safety comment on <laughs> So the students had to sit in a wheelchair and then they navigated around pylons and then they had to jump up onto a mat. And it was just a, a thin little mat. I do have a whole bunch of other content uh, interviewing some of the participants, but uh, ultimately I didn't put it all together for the show. But, but really they, the, uh, the bump that the students had to go up was very small, uh, very similar to the size of nearly every sidewalk bump that you'll find. Uh, and and the students had a lot of trouble with it. So. I was going to ask if they had difficulty with that. They yeah. sure did. They sure wow. did. So it was a it was a great chance for all the students in the police foundations course there to to do uh, a day uh, you know a, a, an activity where they they experience what it's like to be in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, Linda Staples at Fleming that that spearheaded that, and I think she did a great job. So on Thursday there was um, inclusive art program going on at Christian Horizons and there's a bit of a compilation of clips and we'll play that now. Okay. So this is a little bit of just action. The students that were actually painting and, and doing some work and then there's a, an interview or a brief comment from the coordinator. His name is Manfred and, and what an amazing guy. Uh, you'll hear some of the comments about him in the, in the clip. Uh, but the program that they've got there, the Inclusive Art Program at Christian Horizons, is fantastic. And, and here's a little bit about that. Cool. All right, so we're here at the Christian Horizons dance. Uh, what have you got there? Are you, is that some water? Yeah, that's just puddles. Puddles. Oh. And then I'm going to make some mud. Oh, no artists. Yeah, so it's taking a little bit of the color off your brush. Cool. You've actually got paint? Yeah, but um, but I lost it off. Oh, okay. Cool. And so you've got some nice clouds there and, and leaves. And leaves. What else? They do my first. And I'm going to put some glass. Oh, cool. Okay. You want to hold it up for a second? I'll take your picture. Or are you going to... Yeah, just keep going. Draw your mud. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. I know. Oh, that's a cool uh, color. What yeah, I like it. What is it? What are you gonna? What is that spot there? Is that a bush? Autumn season. So yeah. yeah. Oh, it's okay. Do you want a yellow? Kind of yellow somewhere. Somewhere here and there, just on the orange. Give it a tap there. Uh, I do one-to-ones uh, -one here, and one-day group a group activity here at the hub, mm -hmm. and uh, it's more therapeutic. I'm not a therapeut, but uh, I do the work of a facilitator to uh, express yourself, especially people who are nonverbal or who are not able to say things in words 
from, from inside. They find a way with art and music to, uh, to express. And that's what I do here. I help, I help to pull out the abilities. And, and yeah, to uh, yeah, it's good. It gives self confidence. It gives it gives uh, satisfaction in, and a meaningful activity yeah, in that way. Yeah, that's wonderful. So you also do music here as well? Uh, yeah, one day a week I do uh, music, and uh, there's another colleague of mine. She she also does music. So we have two days a week a music program. And, uh, just but, a new way to express themselves. Yeah, but my, my main thing is painting and sculpture Okay. with paper mache. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you do any work with clay, pottery, uh, and so No, because we don't have a kiln, and most of most of the time the things break in the end, and then it's too bad, and we put so much effort. Yeah. But uh, if you want, and if you still stick around when we're done, I can show you some uh, paper mache uh, statues with the people there. Little figures. How important is it to have these kind of opportunities? It's, it's extremely important. Watching everybody today and seeing the smile on everybody's faces and seeing what they're able to accomplish too that I don't even think they realize. One of the responses was, Oh, I can't do that. I'm like, Yeah, you are. Like, you're going to do it. And then when they were finished, it was quite incredible to see that, Yeah, hey, I actually did that. So it's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. And this happens weekly? Manfred's classes happen every single day. Oh all day gosh. long, Monday through Friday. That's amazing. Um, this is what we've opened to the community because we really wanted to let people know this is a bit of a hidden gem here. So we lucky to have them. How important is it to have yeah, so that was the uh, inclusive art, and I, I really have to emphasize how awesome that that experience was, even just to be there. That the art is is beautiful. Some of the the things that they made were were just stunning. Uh, the techniques made it really simple to uh, to make really beautiful things. Terrific! It provides another form of expression. Yeah, yeah, and I think Manfred put it put it best. Uh, yeah. Lets them display their abilities. That's right. That's really something. So. On Friday, there was something else as well. We had, well, obviously we had the, the closing ceremonies, but we also had the Ability and Inclusion Movement, oh, the yeah. AIM Walk, and, and that was pretty cool. Uh, so, Devin, were you... you... No, I, I had to uh, disappear that uh, weekend up to Lake Joseph. I was involved in an Advo camp for guide dog users up at Lake Joseph. Okay. Next year, hopefully. Busy as usual. Yes. <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of folks down there at Millennium Park, or actually, we started at uh, just in front of City Hall, and and over a hundred individuals of all abilities uh, made a movement down George Street all the way to Millennium Park. And at Millennium Park, there was uh, an interactive kind of display. There was a whole bunch of different organizations there, and there was then a closing ceremonies where we we. Uh, gave out the champion awards and i've got a couple of short clips from from the day one from from dave smith and one from marcelo uh, sarkis from blue wave taekwondo and there's a lot more clips but i i uh, i didn't put them together for this for this show okay I, uh, just to make it clear one of the things that we we had at the at the uh, closing ceremonies was a table by blue wave taekwondo and what they had was boards 
uh, and people were breaking the boards, and uh, there was a huge lineup for the for the board breaking. So I'll play I'll play a little little clip about that, and then we'll go on to a clip with uh, with Dave Smith, and and then we'll uh, we'll wrap things up. All right. Hi, Marcella. What's going on over here? Oh, this is great, Simon. We're having people break through their barriers today, symbolically writing down words that uh, identify as barriers to individuals in life. And through sport and martial art, we're helping people break through those barriers. Hi, Dave. Hey, Simon. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to have you down here at the park. What's going on? Thanks. Uh, just involved with the uh, the AIM walk today. It's great to see so many people out here supporting this. Raise awareness for uh, people with disabilities, uh, people with all different types of abilities. It's uh, it's just a great experience to be out here with us. That's great, Simon. Thanks so much for uh, wandering around uh, through the city uh, to all of those events with your uh, recorder there. That is neat. Yeah, I got a lot more than that, and I uh, I hope to one day be able to put it all together and, and share it with you folks. Yeah, that'll be cool. Right now, uh, I don't think we even have time for music, do we? we? We have got about two minutes. Oh, all right. So this is by Buzz Thompson, and appropriately enough, it's called See and Feel. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm getting going, I'm driving today Cause I know when I drive my heart will show away I got my eyes wide open, my hand on the wheel Cause people wanna tell me how to see it feel My ears are burning but my head is clear Well I'm getting going cause I'm losing the I had